prong. And here we are once again for another Word Wednesday. This one is Word Wednesday 15, uh, second Word Wednesday of 2022. And I am going to be reading from a book I love that I've read from before on this little program called Defiant Indignity, The Politics of Hawaiian Performance by Stephanie Nohelani Tevis. Shout out to Stephanie Nohelani Tevis for writing this book and changing my life and putting the thoughts I had in my head that I were too scared to share with anyone onto paper. Like, big thanks for that. All right, I'm just gonna read a little randomly picked section. Um, And just a reminder, Word Wednesdays is where I read from a piece of literature that I fancy, um, and they're usually 10 minutes or less. Okay, actually, there is a page or excerpt I would like to read from. Hang on. This is Corey Lovejoy, and I am reading an excerpt from Stephanie Nohelani Tevis's Defiant Indignity, The Politics of Hawaiian Performance. Chapter 4 the afterlife of Princess Kaulani. You looked into those eyes and what did you see reflected? Beauty, youth, joy, sorrow, hidden promise? Is she a mirror for your mind, a looking glass of all your romantic feelings and fantasies about these islands in a time gone by? Well, she was real and she was more than that to me. My grandmother remembers her funeral. She remembers the long, slow process. She remembers the hundreds of faces. She remembers the horses' hooves that pulled her casket all wrapped up so they made no sound. She remembers the silence, the silence of the dying hope. I see my people in her death, cut off by things that came across the sea. In 42 years, half of our race was gone. Someone wrote in 1822 in a journal, There is hardly a day goes by we do not hear the wails of death from the village of Honolulu. Death from the introduced disease, death from ships, death from sailors, death from white men. Now we are a minority in our own homeland. There is talk today of reparations to the Hawaiian people. Reparations for our stolen land, our stolen kingdom but you can't ever really repay us. Imagine all those people dying, hear the wails of death every day for thousands of my people. Stamp it in your mind like it's stamped in mine. And every time you see her picture, remember it. They may give us money, they may give us land, they may give us educational opportunities, but they will never be able to replace what was killed, our people, our race, our Kaiulani. Excerpt from the play Ka'ulani, 1987 by Dennis Carroll, Victoria Nibul, Robert Nelson, Ryan Page. Princess Victoria Kaveku Ka'ulani Kalani Uahilapalapa Clayhorn died. Oh, sorry, guys, I totally murdered that and I apologize. And I'm Native Hawaiian, so there's that. Uh, Clayhorn died on March 6, 1899, of an apparent case of pneumonia brought on by her previous condition of inflammatory rheumatism. 
Her death was a result of horseback riding in the rain in Waimea on the big island of Hawaii, or perhaps she died of a broken heart, as the San Francisco Call reported. Kaiulani perished less than two years after she had returned home to Hawaii. A year into her engagement to Princess David Laamea Kawananakoa, nine months after Hawaii was annexed by the United States through the New Lands Resolution, six years after the U.S. military backed an illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom, and eight years after she had been declared heir to the throne. More than a century later, Princess Kaiulani continues to be memorialized in hula, mele, film, narrative, and live productions. Audiences are fascinated with Princess Kaiulani for multiple reasons, as this chapter details. But for Hawaiians in particular, she allows the Lahui to live through her memory. The monologue quoted above from the script of the, from the, script of the play, Kaiulani, lays bare the judicial, political, historical, and effective stakes of Hawaiian cultural memory and performance, articulating the various ways that Hawaii, and by extension, all things Hawaiian, continue to be viewed through a gendered colonial frame. This monologue comes in the third act of the play as the narrator addresses head-on the competing narratives that memorialize and feminize Hawaii as a site of white masculinist fantasy, as well as the locus of Hawaiian cultural power and profound sadness. The narrator, named Miley, a young Hawaiian girl, explains that Kaiulani is real to her in contrast of Kaiulani to the fantasy of Hawaii. The emphasis on the realness of Kaiulani is experienced through the narrator's grandmother, who remembers Kaiulani's funeral, identifying herself through genealogy, exhibits how Kanaka Maoli link what is Maoli, what is real, through genealogies and cultural memories. For Kanaka Maoli, the kingdom is so close that we have family who remember it. Miley notably refers reparations for Hawaiians, affirming some other form of restitution and renewal that might take place today. A reinterpretation of Kaulani's legacy, a Hawaiian re-envisioning of our future, not the one supposedly foretold in Kaulani's death and broken heart. In Miley's defiant turn away from the state, we ponder Kaulani's life or loss as a people and what could have been. Recall that in ancient times, Kanaka Maoli had processes and practices in place that allowed for public mourning, sometimes referred to as kanikau or dirge. The mourning chant was a common form of public wailing. The sound uwe expressed deep lament over the loss of a loved one. But we don't have those rituals today. The text and performances I analyze in this chapter function as a modern day forms of mourning in that force. Kanaka Maoli to 
The texts and performances I analyze in this chapter function as modern-day forms of mourning that force Kanaka Maoli to reimagine the life of one of their most famous ali'i and to rethink the future of the lahui. The representations analyzed in this chapter leave Kaiulani's legacy open for interpretation by audiences, particularly particularly Kanaka Maoli audiences. So let me be clear. I am not interested in declaring a definitive truth about what or who Kaiulani is or what really happened in the events leading up to her death or the time following it. In what follows, I consider the afterlife of Princess Kaiulani on a ghost tour in film and on stage and why her narrative has become so important to Kanaka Maoli today. I discussed my experience on a ghost tour of Waikiki that included a walk through the Sheraton Princess Kaiulani Hotel. I analyzed the 2009 film Princess Kaiulani and I examined the restaging of the play Kaiulani, which was revived at Kumu Kahua Theater in Honolulu in March 2015. Since Kaiulani's death in 1899, she has continued to be memorialized in countless mele and in a number of historical biographies, including children's books. Today, today, there is an elementary school named after her in Nu'uanu, Honolulu. She is honored with an annual Keiki Hula Festival in October, usually around the time of her birthday. The event hosted by the Sheraton Princess Kaiulani Hotel includes a reenactment re of the Royal Court of the Hawaiian Kingdom. The Sheraton Princess Kaiulani Hotel supposedly honors her legacy it sits on the site of Kaiulani's former lands of Ainahau and is yet another example of the insidious tactics of settler colonialism. In 1999, a statue of her was erected at the quadrangle of Kuhio Avenue, which later intersects with Kaiulani Avenue and Kane Kapole Street in Waikiki. The statue was commissioned by Outrigger Enterprises, Outrigger Hotels, to demonstrate their commitment to Hawaii's past. A small park sits adjacent to the statue. A play titled, the, titled Kailani the Island Rose was written by Jennifer Farini and Carol Harvey Yamaguchi and has been performed throughout the islands and in Scotland as well. There is also a, sh a short documentary about her, A Cry of Peacocks by Kristen Zambuka. The play Kailani which is analyzed through this chapter, was penned by Dennis Carroll, Victoria Nalani Nubule, Robert Nelson, and Ryan Page, and first staged in Honolulu in 1987, followed by performances in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C., and in Scotland at the Fringe Festival. The play was revived in 2015 when I had the pleasure of viewing it. All right, that ends the excerpt from Stephanie Nohelani Tevis's Defiant Indineity, The Politics of Hawaiian Performance. Uh, I apologize for all my mispronunciations, which I definitely know I did. Uh, yes, I am native Hawaiian. I do not know how to speak Hawaiian. I've taken a little bit of classes in it. Uh, doing my best, guys, if you know or don't know. Uh, there was a point in time in Hawaii when Hawaiians were not allowed to speak their own language. They could be imprisoned and or killed and or 
hurt for it. Uh, so yeah, this is me trying to reclaim my native language. And sometimes I fuck up when I do it. But I think that's okay because I would still like to keep trying. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that Word Wednesday. Um, if you would like to hear why I chose to read from that book or why, more so why, I chose to read an excerpt from that book, uh, check out my Patreon. And keep trying. See you next time.